1: On episode 48 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, myself, Adam, and Jeremiah look back as West Ham actually won a match and relive the glory on the South Coast. We then look ahead to the Crystal Palace match on Boxing Day and answer Hammers Pulse questions as per usual. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, it is episode 48 of the Green Street Hammers podcast. Myself and J- Jeremiah are here. Uh, Jeremiah, how are you doing right now? Man, we're coming off a win. It feels kind of nice, doesn't it?
0: We're coming off a win. Uh, I'm feeling good. We're getting to talk. I didn't think we were going to be able to do this today, so that's uh, that's always exciting times. And that's... Uh, a- Kind of exciting times, kind of uh, unsure times, but uh, me personally, I'm good. How about you?
1: Uh, personally, I'm all right. Work's <laughs> killer right now, as I'm sure lots of people are dealing with around the holiday season. But uh, you know, West Ham does n- never never gives us a break from the storyline and everything uh, surrounding the club, so we, we are lucky enough to have content flowing at all times with us here. Personally, I'm, I'm preparing for a f- minus 15 degrees Celsius mm. tonight. Uh, I'm looking up what that would be. Five degrees Fahrenheit is what it's going nice. to be here overnight. So um, that's going to suck. And uh, sure enough, I'll be out in that tomorrow. So I'm I'm excited that I'm cozy and warm inside talking to you about West Ham, which makes me feel cozy and warm inside myself. So <laughs> we, we roll on here. Um, as mentioned, we're coming off a win. Uh, and on this 48th episode of, uh, of the Green Street Hammers podcast, we can actually talk about something positive. Dot, 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 question mark. Uh, West Ham beat Southampton 1-0 away. Um, This was supposedly the final game in Manuel Pellegrini's leash of get-a-result matches before he gets sacked. And he got a result. Um, It wasn't... It wasn't a dominant win. It was 1-0 against Southampton, a team who's in the relegation zone. Um, They've been playing better recently than their position would suggest. uh, But... That being said, you know West Ham get got the three points regardless, which is a positive. It, that's what we have to start with, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. you got to stay positive with it. I mean, it was Southampton. It's not really a, a judging match, I guess, in my mind. And I was always kind of upset. You could see the schedule. You could kind of tell that was when it was going to happen. It's kind of upsetting because you're like, we're going to face all these other teams that we should either be equal to or we should at least aspiring to be like and that's not your kind of judging point it's a team that you should hopefully be better than um and luckily you know we did come out on top i'm never going to sit here i'm not going to try to sit here anyway and be like man i hope he'd lose that way pellegrini gets fired um but yeah it's it's kind of an excitement slash you know question mark is a lot of who knows what's going to happen i mean if we go ahead and lose the palace and then is that it like is it every match is his kind of career as his managerial career hanging out to dry and i think that's kind of coming into question mark. but as long as the squad's playing well and, and if they played like they did against Southampton, then we should be pretty solid for at least the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, and if we're talking about the, next, the upcoming Crystal Palace match, we should be okay for the first 60 minutes of that match because that tends to be our MO right now. Let's play a good hour and then hope to God we hold on for the next 30, which we didn't against Crystal Palace. But anyways, let's get back to Southampton. Uh, before the match started, uh, ex-WHU employee, all of our best friend on Twitter, confirmed there was an injury uh, that affected the squad late. Uh, that turned out to be Felipe Anderson. I believe it's an ankle injury. Some people were saying sickness, I, I heard ankle, I thought, so um, he pulled out of the squad, and now people interpreted this differently than each other, and I, I think you and I interpreted this differently as well. West Ham played a 4-4-2, uh, which we've been crying out for since uh, looking up Alaire's highlights from Frankfurt, um, and Antonio and... Uh, Allaire played alongside each other as dual strikers. Uh, Behind them on the left was Fournals, who had an awesome game yet again. Uh, In the middle, we had Declan Rice and Mark Noble. And on the right-hand side, we had Robert Snodgrass. The back four was unchanged as well, uh, which includes Fredericks and Cresswell. As the uh, fullbacks, Uh, Ogbana and Balbuena kept a spot with David Martin in goal. Now, um, do you think that the Felipe Anderson injury caused pellegrini to change to a four-four-two.
0: i do i okay. uh yeah i absolutely do i think he was forced into playing that and uh, i think kind of like you said there's a lot of people going back and forth and, was he forced to did was he going to play that anyway i feel like he was kind of forced into it and i do feel that if Felipe, who by the way when x uh you know whenever he posted that out i didn't think at all it was going to be him so kudos to him for i guess staying somewhat healthy i think uh I was thinking more along the lines of Antonio or somebody else that was going to be hurt. But, yeah, so I, I just honestly think if he was healthy, he would have been in, and we would have kind of done the same old 4-5-1 or, or however you interpret that to be, 4 4 one, one. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, were you kind of on that same page length, or were you thinking something else? No, I,
1: I was completely different. I thought we were going to see a 4-4-2 four, four, regardless in this one. Actually, my mm-hmm. predicted squad was that we would see the same old formation that we have been seeing, the 4-2-3-1, um, but... If we did see a 4-4-2, I thought it would be Snodgrass who dropped out and Felipe Anderson put on the right-hand side. He's a right-footed, uh, you know, winger or wide midfielder. And uh, Pellegrini likes to play with his wide players flipped and inverted with Yarmolenko and Felipe Anderson filling those spots to shoot. Um, I think if we went to a 4-4-2, you'd see Pellegrini want his wide players to be on their uh, right foot or their strong foot, sorry, uh, right foot for Felipe uh, to cross the ball. Because, you know, if you have two big, you know, big strikers in, in the box, you, you want your crosses coming and not necessarily your shots. So I thought he would have flipped Felipe to the right side, dropped Snodgrass, and allowed him to be an option in center mid for either uh, Rice or Noble, most likely Noble, or even as a replacement for um, Felipe Anderson down the right-hand side. Uh, and I would have been super down to see that because we've seen this season Felipe Anderson, when he's out on the right-hand side, he instead of trying to always look for that cut inside, he'll just whip the ball in the box. Like, he he won't Mm -hmm. even think twice about it. He'll just put it in there, and, you know, if it goes to the keeper, it goes to the keeper. If it gets cleared, it gets cleared. Or if it finds a player, ta-da, it does. Um... But I, I thought we were going to see a 442 regardless of that Felipe Anderson injury. Um, at least I was hoping to. And I, I was uh, impressed with it. Snodgrass's delivery on set pieces and corner kick specifically is always important. Um, so it's hard to have him drop out of the team, but Fornells can, can also uh, deliver from the corner flag. So there is a lot of uh, flexibility there. Um, we should talk about the first and only goal in this match, should we not?
0: I think it's a good uh, a good selling point. Yeah.
1: Well, there wasn't. I don't think there's ever been a, a more cohesive team <laughs> moment than this goal that West Ham worked. Uh, it, it was a, a beautiful, a beautiful, quick. Uh, it was about midfield. Mark Noble took the ball quickly, put it off to Snodgrass. He found Antonio on the run. Antonio did a terrific job of walking the tightrope on the goal line. I I was free. Mm-hmm. Did you think that ball went out?
0: I did actually yeah I was I was waiting for the VAR check to come in or you know to turn back around and be like no goal because of that so yeah I, I was with you on that but he, he,
1: he pulls it back he finds Snodgrass mm. Snodgrass crosses it over and now this is where I so I well, the rest of the play plays out with he finds uh, Pablo Fornell's wide on the box he heads the ball down perfectly to Sebastian Allaire and Allaire bounces it in post it in um if Lanzini was on the end of that header, do you think he would have tried to put it in the net or take it on his chest?
0: Yeah, honestly, I think if it was any other player, they probably would have tried to take it in or take it off their chest. And for now, is kind of turning into that unselfish uh, center mid that we've kind of been looking for, I think. Especially playing first. with... Yeah, pass first. And he set it up. He knew exactly where our was. It might not have been the prettiest shot that he put in, but it still went in. You know, went right off, and, and it went in, and, and then we're up. And I think... Surpri- it was good. It was surprising. It was good for him to get finally, you know, back on the score sheet since, what was it, Crystal Palace, I think. Or it's It's been, gosh, I think while. the last time he scored. Yeah, I know he had the big August, and then he only scored once since then. Um, but, yeah, no, it was, it was all around kind of a good breathing moment. But, you know, still in the back of your mind, you had that thought of, like, well, we are still West Ham. Like, when's that going to come in? Uh,
1: it, it now... On this goal, uh, like you said, it wasn't the prettiest shot. It bounced and bounced and went post and then far side. But uh, I think it was Owen Hargreaves that was talking about it at the halftime show. He said it it was really good technique from the to shoot the ball down at the ground because you can kind of control if it hits the ground, it's going to be at least going towards the net still rather than sky it um Mm -hmm. and that's that's showing a lot of poise and composure for somebody who's pretty desperate to get a goal which you know again took away from the prettiness of it you would have loved to see like a flashing volley (laughs) go like bar down into the net that would have been awesome but again beggars can't be choosers and and West Ham supporters nor Allaire can be choosers at this point in time uh what did you make of his celebration he ran to the bench and he and he got Mazuaku and he got uh Diop, his French boys off the bench to to celebrate with
0: I thought that was pretty cool. It's good to see that kind of cohesiveness and especially, you know, as much as we've lost and how the team hasn't looked that good in the last several months, it's good to see that they have that togetherness as a team or at least, you know, patches of them have that. Normally you would see after getting all these good losses and just kind of bad performances that the team's going to start, you know, splitting apart. They're going to have some riffs, And so that was really good to see. I was kind of confused at first because he kind of, he scored turned around and what did he kind of like stand there a little bit i was like what is he doing is he not going to celebrate is he is this part of the celebration and then he runs off and he goes to celebrate with his boys and that was really cool to see i think uh it's good signs for the team as a whole which is is what you need in the, in the Premier league for sure
1: for sure and i i really think it's, it's like you said it's important to have these little clicks in the team but mm. something that you know it happened it happened with payette uh, and it's happening with Sebastian Allaire, and it's not a negative thing, which I want to point out before I finish the point. Uh, but these players who are so like enigmatic, and you know, are, you, you think are going to be like these too good for everybody else, the the great anchor for all of these players, Sebastian Allaire is is a world class striker, and he's being frustrated previous to this game in a system that wasn't playing towards him. He's been dropped; he has every right to be sort of a dick about it to, and everything but the one thing that anchors him down is Mark Noble every time with Dimitri Payet Noble was the first one there with Allaire he's the guy grabbing him by the head and they're grabbing each other back he seems to be the one guy there's this, there's, there's a picture going around I don't know if this, this meme is going to work for everybody and like the captions said like when you get along with everybody in high school and it's like this I don't know, like giant rat looking thing, sitting with a crocodile, sitting with the bird, sitting with like a deer. And it's like just getting along with everybody. That's Mark Noble. Nobody doesn't like him on the team. The keeper who's from Poland is, uh, you know, is talking about him. You know, the, the French 23-year-old center back, you know, is making jokes with him on Instagram. You, you see this bigger, larger than life striker up top of the formation scoring goals. And it's all brought, brought back to earth with Mark Noble being there. I don't know what it is about him, but he just is that galvanizing force in the team. Uh, and he was he was pretty solid in this match as well. Um, what did you make of the midfield four? We've talked about Fornells being sort of that exciting uh, trigger player now, and especially picking up the slack in, in, the, in the space of uh, Felipe Anderson going down injured. But uh, the, the flat four, I thought Fornells did a great job of actually getting forward in this and also getting back, even if it was just to have a body back, not necessarily making hard tackles or anything.
0: Yeah, no. Every match, man, he's getting better and better. I feel like I think it's it's just taking him a while progressively, playing him in the right kind of positions. I think and getting confidence too. I know we talked about it last week, and mm-hmm. we've had a few articles go out on him about just his confidence levels rising. If we get the four nows that we saw in the uh, what was it under twenty one euros whenever Spain won that, um, we're we're in we're in for business because he's a good he's a really good young player. I think a lot of people forget. I forgot that he's only twenty one. I mean, he's young. We have Declan Rice on the team and we just kind of assume that every other twenty one year old's gonna be like him. It doesn't work that way. But seeing him come in, he's played well. He played really well in there. Uh, like you, you already mentioned Noble, man, the dude, he's just an engine. He just runs and runs and goes and goes. And I think that this also helps set that up a little bit, getting him in there more. He could you saw every once in a while he would go up and play on the attack a little bit more. Not maybe as frequently, but you definitely saw that. And I think that with Fernalza gives the gives him kind of that ability, and, and you obviously know Rice. Rice defensively is going to give Noble the ability to move up a little bit too, and to, it was just togetherness. Like you said on that goal, I mean, a lot of times it wasn't a very pretty match. It was kind of boring at times, but you could definitely see that they were trying to work on team cohesiveness and getting the ball passed around well to each other and kind of playing off of each other, and I think that's exactly what we're going to need. And um, going forward, we, really, when we were talking about a pre-pot, really tough schedule coming up and i know we're not talking about that yet but yeah it's, it's it's a rough time so i know i sound like a robot saying the same things over and over again but dude it's it's good to see and it's if anything is good at this point in time of the year it's that and yeah the midfield as packed as it was whenever we brought all these new signees in and we didn't know who was going to play where it's it's kind of narrowing itself out and obviously injuries help with that but for now it might be he might end up being the guy that we all thought he was supposed to be
1: should, I should specify and, and uh, correct here not to step on your toes. For now is 23 years of age. Um, he mm. played in the Under-21 World Cup and he, because he played in qualifying matches when he was 21. So it worked out that way. But the point still stands. He's younger than half of the players on this team and, and is still coming into his own for a guy who's pretty small. Um, let's see, 1.78 meters in height um, for our uh for our North American people, that is five eight. Um, so he, he's, he's just a little guy and he's pretty light. Uh, so the point still stands there. He's young, he's fresh, he's brand new in the, in the new league. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's starting to come into his own a bit, which is, which is great to see. Um, my next question for you, uh, I don't want to sound like a broken record here because I've been not very kind to Pellegrini in my articles and also in this podcast and in, in recent weeks. Um, I thought Pellegrini absolutely killed this game with his substitutions. Uh, I thought it, it was a little bit, uh, a little bit predictable with what he did because the team basically reverted back to the Sam Allardyce days when it was shut down. We have a lead. Let's try and get at least a point out of this, and, and let's go. Uh, the one, the the one uh, caveat to this being that the Yarmolenko substitution was completely ridiculous. He replaced Snodgrass on the right side. Uh, after Snodgrass picked up a, a, a yellow card at the end of the first half, they let him play to another half hour, and then Snodgrass came off in the 73rd minute. So you think you're going to be sticking with the 4-4-2 with Yarmolenko on? But Yarm that a 4-4-2 doesn't really suit Yarmolenko. He is like a 4-3-3 winger out wide, or uh, should be playing as a striker, which he does for Ukraine, because he is a player who's not going to get back as quick as you'd like and then not get up the pitch again because he doesn't have the pace to do it. So to me, it it seems a bit ridiculous that he was brought on in that role. I know he plays the right side, so at a very basic level, that's like a very simple substitution to make. But to me, that is completely shallow and didn't make sense. Carlos Sanchez then came on in the 79th minute for Sebastian Allaire, which pushed the team to a uh, 4-5-1 with uh, Noble, Declan Rice and Sanchez as central midfielders. Yarmolenko and Fornell is out wide. And then in the 88th minute, Issa Diop came on for Mark Noble. Uh, And again, a shockingly ridiculous move, in my opinion. Um, In the 88th minute, Southampton were full charge of the game. They were running the ball. They they had taken the opportunity and bumped up their possession stats. They actually outpossessed West Ham 57 to 43% in this match, largely because of the final 10 or 15 minutes and West Ham seeding the ball to them op comes on. Uh, granted, there's only two minutes left, but but there was, I think, six added minutes at the end of the game, so that's eight minutes of play. Uh, he has not played in a few weeks. He's playing in a five-at-the-back system now, so we're a 5-4-1, um, which West Ham doesn't play in, especially under Pellegrini. He played a player offside because he was ball-watching, which understandably, as the, you know, the prior two points were just made, kind of led to that. And West Ham... Almost give up the drawing goal and maybe even you know a leading goal at the end of this match. These substitutions make zero sense to me. The only, I mean, I can't justify any of them. The idea behind throwing players on to 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 shore up the team defensively makes sense to me. But West Ham were running this game. Would you not have liked to have seen something different?
0: I would have, like you said, I would have liked to have seen something that actually made sense. Uh, the Yarmolenko one. To me, I guess that makes a little bit of sense, just because Snodgrass has a yellow, his aggressiveness. You, you know, you don't want that to turn to a red, and then mm-hmm. have to figure that out. But the other two, man, Sanchez. I try to give Sanchez a little bit of credit and hopes. I think I feel like I do that every time he comes on. Like, okay, maybe we'll see the Carlos Sanchez from you know from Villa from years gone, or whenever he's playing on the national side. He seems to always play good when he's playing for his international team. But um, yeah, he looked terrific to me. I think multiple times got beat. Fell down once or twice. I mean, he gave just, the
1: ball away three times. He gave the, the ball away.
0: I mean, I I was looking at uh, play ratings and uh, football. London. I think gave him a two,
1: <laughs>
0: which is pretty. It, it's pretty uh, accurate. I think it was yeah, a rough match. Not unfair. I don't know why he's still coming out here. And and yeah, you know, we just did the old Sam Allardyce park the bus. I mean, super like ultra park the bus. You couldn't have gotten back any further than that. And and when you do that, obviously you invite pressure. And that's exactly what happened. And I mean, I don't really. We'll go talk about that one Southampton goal that got called back. I mean, what a beautiful shot that was by Danny Ings. And, oh my and that, god! I don't know, still really where that where that came back from. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you saw it, but I really didn't see that there was a foul there. But I'm glad that there was, and I'm glad that, that got called back. It was but actually on
1: Janepo beforehand. He just he just toe tapped somebody. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it may have been Snodgrass, and then mm-hmm. it, I mean the the call was so late anyways it was ridiculous but you know yeah fabianski's not stopping that let alone David Nobody. Martin.
0: nobody's stopping that so yeah i i was i was frustrated not i guess i didn't really want to see us keep going on the attack but just holding steady but yeah completely parking the bus and you know when you do that obviously you just add the pressure the more people that are back there the less they have to defend on the other side it's basic common footballing sense but yeah once again man the substitutions from pellegrini have been rough
1: um, now hindsight's 2020. West Ham won this game, um, mm-hmm. but would you not have preferred to have seen Albion a Jetty come on? If you're good, if you're committed to keeping one of the forwards on, which Antonio stayed on for the entire match, which I don't think should have been happening. I think it should have been Antonio comes off for injury concern and Alaire mm-hmm. stays on. But regardless, um, would you not have liked to have seen a Jetty come on? He's a quick player. I'd love to see him get the jump, and especially if West Ham are, are counter attacking possession-based football from Southampton it would have been good to see him get going with with a layer up top uh, and as well um for could have easily switched to the right side which he more naturally plays and we have Matt Zawaku come on as a left-sided uh midfielder to, to patrol that side of the pitch and then if you want to go take off noble now you have a direct one-for-one midfield change with Carlos Sanchez all of that makes more sense to me
0: it does and you're right about it Yeti I think if you bring him in it helps build his confidence levels up. I mean, Absolutely. we've Absolutely. How many times in West Ham have you seen us bring in a young striker that doesn't get to play that much? They lose their confidence, and then we ship them out without ever really knowing anything about them. Now, yeah. granted, you might bring him in, and they're like, oh, well, this guy was just a dud, and it didn't work out. But so often we've seen that. I mean, you, there's a plethora of them. you know, Tony Martinez, maybe not on the same level, but same thing there. He never really got a shot. When he did, it was always in the wrong situations. You could just go... On and on. I mean, there's a lot of bad names you go. Is it Kairi? Kairi. never got the chance, really. He never got then, the chance.
1: And then he started scoring like crazy in La Liga last season.
0: Mm-hmm. And you obviously see how, like, Lucas Perez is doing now and everything else. So I think it's just give him the chance. He's there. You're already running the four four two. Just bring the other striker, the only other striker that you have, and bring him in and, and give him that ability. Because I'm not really sure what formation he played whenever he was in Switzerland at Basel. But I think that i want to say they had two up front or he got at least a lot of help because he was always in there and i know he had a few goals before he even transferred over to us because their season starts before so yeah the confidence level was there he's just he's not getting the right time or if he is it's just not you know coming in the right spot and we're already down so well yeah kind of frustrating for sure
1: let me know your thoughts on this what what kind of uh what kind of Confidence is this player supposed to have when he starts the season not in the squad for the Man City game, then on the bench for Brighton, Watford, Norwich, Villa, Man United, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace. Comes on when we're down 2 0 to Everton for 16 minutes, comes on in a 1 1 draw with Sheffield for four minutes, plays a half of football against Newcastle, uh, where West Ham actually scored two goals when he was on the pitch. Uh, he comes on for 26 minutes against Burnley, doesn't feature in the next two matches, plays 10 minutes uh, against Wolves in a 2-0 loss, uh, wasn't in the squad for the Arsenal match, and then uh, was on the bench for the entirety of the Southampton game. He's 22 years old. Why why even buy him then?
0: Yeah, why are you going to buy him? The problem is we're going to not play him at all for the next foreseeable future, and then we'll bring him in to start against Gillingham, and he'll look like crap because he hasn't had any confidence to play well, and then we'll all slate him and say that he sucks, but realistically you need to have him out there he's young when he i mean i don't know you let me know what you think but when he's out there he hasn't really done much but you can see glimpses of potential in him you can tell that he's a good footballer and he has to be even if he's playing professionally in switzerland that's still a huge feat you know to oh, actually sure. be able to do that so he's not a dud you think you just have to give him the confidence and opportunity look at four look at anderson look at anybody that we've ever brought in that hasn't played in the premier league before it takes a little bit of time nobody's like a superhero like pay that comes in and you know dimitri Payet just came in and, and surprised everybody and actually got better and now you know he kind of turned his career around and built his career off of west ham but a lot of times you don't see that so to compare him to that or think that he's going to come in right away and play well is it's it's all asinine and and the fact that once again going back to pellegrini and just not the substitutions weren't there and you know we're talking down on a little bit and i know you wrote about it and you might be getting to this next but the wind kind of comes in and it's good and it it helps secure his future for another game but it was off of what because he had to possibly change the formation last minute because he was forced to not because he wanted to or maybe he did and it finally turned it around but it's too little too late and <laughs> there's just a lot of question marks now
1: yeah a ton of question marks and, and just just finishing on, on a jetty here as well um The club are all for, as everyone thinks making money and and you know trying to save as much money as you can. Uh this player scored 45 goals in 105 Super League matches in Switzerland with 21 assists. Uh in the league below them, he has scored uh 19 goals in 45 matches. For Switzerland, uh, in all levels from under 15s all the way to the senior team, uh he has scored 1 2, 3, 10 12 uh 13 goals in all of his matches for them. He, the guy scores goals in in the the one game he did play in the Super League against FC Sion for Basel. He had one goal and two assists when he played for 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. That was literally just before coming over to West Ham. So what is the problem here? I think it's still an issue with tactics and getting the best out of your player, but he should be the player that's working off of Sebastian Allaire when Antonio's done running around on the pitch or... The player that runs around with him for the first hour, and then you get Antonio to come on and powerhouse players down for the last thirty minutes. We we saw him be an impact sub at the beginning of the season, at the and at the end of last season as well. To me, that's that's what you have to do with those players. But I, I hate people saying he's he's uh, you know he's a flop or he's you know not cut for the for West Ham or or the Premier League. There's also reports that West Ham are trying to send him out on loan for the second half of the season, but they're having trouble because he's played for two season, er, for two leagues already what what's the point in doing that you're not gonna look at him again he's gonna be like the next hackxbannovichch or uh, Samuelson or wherever where they just go away eventually and that's it uh, I to me it's just wasted like it's just wasted money then and it and it, it doesn't make sense but whatever we, uh, we we basically we have to move on from that because it's just gonna get me more and more fired up um, <laughs> do you think Pellegrini, is going to be our manager for the rest of the season?
0: Uh, I'm going to say no. The only reason I'm going to say no is because if he's not, and I don't really know, I haven't heard much, and obviously he's going to be the manager for the Palace game on Boxing Day, but I don't know if it's like, you know, hey, if you do good against Palace, if it's kind of game by game, if you keep doing good, then we're going to keep you around. Uh, but, dude, as you know, we talked about it pre-pod, a lot of big, lot of big fixtures coming up after Palace and really kind of like rapid fire, like two days off, three days off, a couple days off, and then back at it. Like it's 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 madness. And I think personally, if we're going to keep the same kind of tactics and going that way, then then no, he's not going to last. And then who do we bring in? What do we bring in? But no, I guess long story short, or short story long, I guess in this case is that (laughs) it's 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 yeah. No, I don't see it. I don't I don't see how he can. It's a good it's a feel good story right now, but I, I don't see it lasting.
1: To me, there has to be a cutoff before or in January to get a new manager in and then identify players for them. That being said, if there is uh, if the truth there's any truth to the stories about um, Dave Sullivan's kids running the, the transfers for this team, I don't know what to expect then, um, because it could we could revert back to these are the players we're bringing in and get the best out of them, which wouldn't necessarily work for someone mm-hmm. like Pellegrini. But then again. Um, you look at some of the players he's brought in, as as the greats of you know Sebastian Allaire, Felipe Anderson, Issa Diop, Lucas Fabianski have been. There's a foil to all of those with uh, Roberto, Jack Wilshere, Carlos Sanchez, to name a few. So I, I don't know which I would prefer because sometimes you just want your better. You, you just want to bring in the best players you can and allow them to take over, and maybe that saves Pellegrini. Um, I think what we're going to see is probably a point. Minimum out of the Crystal Palace match, a loss against Leicester, at least a point against uh, Bournemouth. We're going to see a full power, full throttle team against Gillingham, uh, and then that'll be, uh, you know, into the first week of January. And it's going to be okay, well, we've gotten results in two or three league games, and we've moved on in the FA Cup, so uh, we're going to stick with Pellegrini, and that's it's going to be live or die with Pellegrini for the rest of the season um if West Ham get relegated you can you can bet Pellegrini will be gone with half of the players he brought in as well um so you you know what I mean like that that's that's sort of the inevitable future if that does happen which I don't want to talk about just yet but um yeah like you said there's a lot of matches coming up in, in a short amount of time it'll be interesting to see if the team can actually pull together do you buy what the players are saying when they say you know we're still behind the manager and we still believe he's the the guy to take us forward
0: yeah, you know, somewhat. I mean, I wrote a post about Antonio's kind of after-the-match comments on how they wanted to win this for him, and I know Declan Rice has come out, too, and said they were excited because they do like him and they care about him. And I, You know, I, I think part of that is true. I think that part of it is, too, like you or me or anybody else, we have a boss, right? And if we were asked by somebody that the boss is going to hear from, we're like, yeah, our boss is pretty cool. <laughs> like, we like We like working for him, and we're not going to try to do that because what are you going to do? Go out and be like, no, I don't like him at all, and then he's not going to play you. Or, you know, something bad is going to come up from that. So, yeah, I guess kind of. I kind of do. And, you know, I think just building off of kind of what you were going with, too, I I think if if we keep winning, then, yeah, I I guess I'm okay keeping him if we keep winning. But who's to say then, you know, if we get to, like, February, March time frame and we start losing again, then what are you going to do? Like, at that point, like, if we're already mid-table and then that's – if this run happens again, then we're definitely battling relegation. We have too good of a side – there's too much invested into this, and um, I know going back quickly even further, you're talking about Sullivan Kids. I don't know how true that is. I don't know if it's true at all, and I know Dave and X are going to have a podcast coming out either today or tomorrow, or whenever you listen to this. It's probably going to be out, and I'm sure X is going to have something to say about that, but I, mean, I like Jack personally. I mean, I never met the guy, but what he's done for you know the women, the women's side, and I, 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 would, I would be okay with it, I guess. I know the Sullivans get a lot of stick, but they've done that to themselves, too, but yeah, man, it's it's there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot going on, and it's really uh, it's really hard to put a finger on anything. Especially, you know, when you look at what the team's saying about Pellegrini, and just kind of getting back to that as far as yeah, if it's true. I mean, I guess of course you want everybody to do good, but really, I don't know. Like, some, I again, not everybody can be on board with them. I don't think. Yeah, and
1: I'm looking here. He's 19 years old, um, Mm -hmm. which is extremely young. uh, But then on the flip side, if you look at Dave Sullivan, he is 70 years old. Um, Would you rather, names apart or names gone, would you rather a 19-year-old or a 70-year-old? make your transfers with the club or for the club mm-hmm. you're going to look at the business side of dave sullivan whether you hate him or respect him um he's obviously you know tenured in business uh, whatever business that may be his mm-hmm. net worth is 1.5 billion pounds according to uh sunday times rich list in 2019 so he's got the money he's got the cash he has the business aptitude to to you know, run a successful business, but does he have the connection to what modern football should be? Maybe, maybe not. Then you look at a 19-year-old who has controversially gotten himself in trouble on Twitter a lot um, mm-hmm. for commenting on on transfers in the past. Um, but he he's also now proven with this women's team, the West Ham's women team. Women's team seems to be like a, a cracker of a match every time they play because they're scoring five goals or it's coming down to late winners. And, you know, there, are, there seems to be a passion about that club and West Ham are getting a lot of free content out of uh, hooking up with, with them on social media because they, they put out a lot of great results, especially in the women's super league. So, um, you know, he's, he's getting experience there. Is he having a say in exactly what's happening to the senior club? Maybe. Is that bad news? It sounds like it out front, but maybe it's not. Maybe maybe he, is seeing who the fans are, you know, pulling who they'd rather come in at striker for, what formation they'd like to see. Maybe he's taking that into into consideration because the seventy year old manager and seventy year old uh, owner of the club may be out of touch with with what works in modern football. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. And and just I'll, I'll say this: thank God that the whole Everton and the uh, Carlo Ancelotti thing is, okay. has gotten figured out because I did not. I was not looking forward to that potential possibility or even a rumor at West Ham. It's to me. Yeah. To me, it just feels like, like you said, another 70 year old plus man, somebody that's older in age. And it really isn't down to what's going to going on right now. Things are changing in in the world of football. Obviously you can look as far as VAR, you can just look as closely as to who's managing and who's performing. Well, the younger managers are kind of more in touch with the players. And and that's just the way, not just in, in European football, but all over the world in sports is going right now. So yeah, I don't think you. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I would be okay with it because I, I kind of rate him pretty high. Like you said, with the women's side, he's done well. He's brought in some players that normally we wouldn't have seen at a West Ham women's club. Who, by the way, like two or three years ago, didn't even really have a, a stadium to play at. They didn't really have like like kits almost. So they really turned that around. And I mean, if he uses the same kind of focus with the men's side, if if that is true, and they get the opportunity, then I for one would be okay with it. But yeah, like you said, there'll be a lot of stick.
1: There's going to be stick with, with anything that happens for West Ham. Let's be honest yeah. with especially yeah. on Twitter. Um, all right, I'll take a quick break here, and when we come back we will talk about that Crystal Palace match coming up for the Hammers. All righty, we are back, and uh, with that we will look ahead to Crystal Palace. Uh, we always kind of go light on, on the pre-match scouting for, for the opposition because uh, we like to give ourselves some articles to go over that and as well. Things change as far as um, looking ahead goes, especially with with this match. We're eight days out from it right now, I believe. So uh, a lot of time for, for things to shake out for the Hammers and for the Eagles in that time period. Um Just looking ahead here, Crystal Palace are a team that does not score a lot of goals. They've never scored more than two goals a game this season, including cup matches against Colchester, where they went to penalties. Um, And as well, they should have another one in there as well. They lost 4-0 to Hertha in the preseason. Um, uh, Where else are they in this league cup match? I don't even know. Um, Anyways, regardless of that, um, they don't score a ton of goals. Their last three matches, they drew Brighton with a phenomenal goal from Zaha uh, in about, I think it was like the 70-something minute, uh, seventy six minute, yes. Uh, But they were getting run over in that match by Brighton, who are a surprisingly good team. Before that, they drew 0-0 to Watford, a team who uh, looks a lot better under their new third manager of the season. Uh, Before that, they had a red card to uh, Sacco uh, (laughs) on the Amazon Prime game, which is funny. Sacco (laughs) gets credit for being the first player sent off. In an Amazon Prime game. Uh, And then Schlepp saved them with uh, 10 men to score in the 76th minute. Uh, And uh, a lot of question marks are surrounding uh, Eddie Howe uh, after that match. But before that, they beat Burnley 2-0. Lost to Liverpool 2-1. Chelsea beat them 2-0. Leicester beat them 2-0. They drew 2-2 with Arsenal. City uh, beat them 2-0. They beat us 2-1. They beat beat Norwich 2-0. 1-1 with Wolves. And then lost to uh, to Tottenham 4-0. Uh, Before the start of the season there. So a lot of two goal games here. So if you're, if you're Manuel Pellegrini doing your pre-scout, which we know he loves to do and is great at doing, um, right. you're saying this game needs goals from West Ham. And if you look at these games, specifically um, the last two where they've scored goals in against Brighton and against Bournemouth, uh, they score late into the match, especially with substitutes like Schlupp uh, or Zaha, eventually a guy who's got a crazy motor taking over uh, in those opportunities uh, that present themselves as players get tired to end the game. So as mentioned, you're Pellegrini, you're doing your pre-scout, what formation are you using to play this match?
0: I think I'm sticking with the same four four two that that you saw last week. Um, I just think it, it, it'll work well. Like you said, they don't score a lot. They have a pretty solid defense. I think Roy Hodgson does a pretty good job of keeping them defensively sound. And their midfield, a lot of their midfield is based around kind of defensive guys. If you look at that, and I just think that I think a four four two would help. It's going to give West Ham more opportunity to kind of get on the offensive. The only I guess question mark I have going into this is how who you play at right back right cuz Fredericks is out Fredericks is out because he has got too many yellows so now you got to bring Zabaleta in
1: which or isn't an issue or well, I'll i let you do
0: or or Ben Johnson um, if he's is he healthy I don't he really know He played in what's the
1: under 23's on. match uh okay. a few days
0: ago Okay So yeah maybe you bring him in and give him a go that might be better as far as pace goes but yeah uh, I just going to see a 442 I think hopefully he sticks with that and uh, hopefully we can kind of buckle down on that right side.
1: Yeah, I think 442 has to be the formation, and as well West Ham social media, as they like to get uh, get themselves in trouble, have, have tweeted out after beating Southampton 1-0, the start of something special, end quote. Uh, and uh, that was basically about the partnership of Antonio Alaire. So maybe that is the start of something special. If it is, um, I think we you know, I think, we're going to see that same formation. But, yeah, the biggest question mark comes at right back. Um, you're going to be playing up against Wilfred Zaha, uh, depending on the formation that they use. Uh, in their last match, West, uh, sorry, Crystal Palace played a 4-3-3. MacArthur, Kuyate, Milivojevic across the middle, which is a pretty physical midfield. Uh, and up top, they had Benteke, and Zaha, all three players who can play striker, but stretched out across the forward line. And Zaha was on the right side. That means... That would be uh, Pablo Zabaleta or Ben Johnson against him. You either get a quick and fast young player who's very inexperienced or a slow old player. Now, could the answer be both insofar as first half, second half, or 60 minutes, 30 minutes? Do you think that's a possibility?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be more of, a, more of a possibility for sure, man, because I don't you know zaba's got it but he doesn't have it for that long so then yeah maybe you bring johnson in or, or vice versa you have johnson at the beginning and kind of can wear them out because he's going to have the physicality to go with it and then you bring zaba in to to kind of close it out like use it as a closing role and um and, and maybe that's a possibility we got whatever it has to be i just the, like you know we talked about before the momentum can't be lost so whatever that whatever that uh possibility might be um then go with it and Pellegrini's got nothing else to do right now but kind of live on the edge and make kind of uh, interesting calls if he wants to keep his job. So why not?
1: Yeah, you're not going to – I think he's going to take more crap for sticking to the same old than he mm-hmm. and, and living and dying with that rather than going out in a limb and saying, hey, we wanted to try something different based off of our opposition. Um, he would never say that. But you know what I mean? If that came across in his, in his team choice, that's mm-hmm. what you would want to do. To me, I like, I like the idea of letting Zabaleta start the match – sticking rice on that right center mid side and basically saying take a foul on him if you need to kick him around a bit wind him up <laughs> same with Zabaleta Zabaleta he's the one of the, the you know the best veterans in the league he knows how to wind players up he knows how to how to get under their skin uh and as good as he is for the young guys on your team he's as good at picking apart the, the other ones on, on the opposition's team so let him get out there and, and have a crack or two at him uh, waste a yellow card on him. And then, yeah, maybe bring Johnson in to get some energy going down that right side. Or even, uh, if you want to flip, uh, Mazuaku over there as your possible deployment at at right back. I mean, he's not much of a defender on the left side. So the the bar isn't set all that high for him. Um, but someone who knows how to make a tackle can also carry the ball out would be welcome there. um, Outside of that, there isn't too many team selection choices. A, bit, a few bits of good news, which I'm sure Dave and X will, will, will be revealing on their podcast that's going to go out if it's not out right now, uh, is that Fabianski and Lanzini are both possibly targeting returns for the Crystal Palace game, depending on their rehab. Uh, I saw that news on Twitter not long ago. So um, that more shakes up the midfield uh, than anything. Uh although david martin is supposed to be out with a hip injury the same thing that happened to Lucas fabianski on a lesser scale um do you see do, do you see roberto getting back into the net do you see i guess if, if fabianski's fit they're gonna play him i wouldn't see them really risking him to be honest if he's not at a full 100 percent um but uh would you see a nang over him would you see roberto going? what what do you think the team's gonna do if martin can't go
0: Hopefully we never see Roberto ever again. Um, but, yeah, with that, it's tough, you know, seeing David Martin go down like that, finish it out, and kind of have to limp around. That's it's tough. You don't want to bring him out and then have a David Martin who, no offense to David Martin, is not, you know, technically like a world-class keeper. He's doing really good things, and it's really exciting to see that. But if you put him down and now all of a sudden he's like, you know, he's got a little liability about him, it might not be any better. Same thing with Fabianski. If he's not fully 100% ready to go, I don't think we bring him back because this is like a long haul type of thing. It's not just, hey, we need to win against Palace. Like, this is our futures. But, I mean, something you don't want to risk. I'd like to see a Nang. Maybe it is a good match for him to come in because that way, you know, like you said, Palace isn't. Palace does not shoot that much. They don't score that much. That might be a good kind of welcome match for him to get in there. I'm just going to hope and pray that David (laughs) Martin's okay and that he actually does play in this match and we don't have to see Roberto. And, And maybe. Maybe we do get Fabianski, but I don't want to risk it and get it back too soon.
1: Yeah, I think I think the silver lining to all of this, uh, if it's not Fabianski, is the fact that we saw Anang get pulled from previous matches before Martin came in for the mm-hmm. under-23s, basically saying he's upping his training time, he's ready to go in if need be, and he was sitting not on the bench but just behind the uh, bench players uh, in that match that Martin debuted against Chelsea. So um, you never know. That That's... Uh, this is something that you know will shake out in the coming the coming days into that next week's game um final thoughts do you think west ham will get a result against palace i said i I see at least one point for them but do you think you know palace are a strong team do you think they're they're going to be the ones to knock us down a peg
0: dude they're tough man it's tough trying to predict a west ham match let alone trying to figure out like crystal palace and then you put them together oh yeah it is it's really tough trying to figure it out i think they'll get a result but i don't think it's going to be three points i think it'll be a draw uh it very well could be a boring goalless draw, or it could be one-one. But hopefully, whatever it is, doesn't end up like we like we saw last time. And um, it's crazy to think about how fast the seasons moving along. We're already getting back into the of the reverse fixtures. So uh, yeah, hopefully we can get a draw at least. Uh, that would be kind of for me. That would be a good thing, just to get to come out of Southwest Park with a draw, and not a loss, because then that only adds to the question marks and, and kind of what's happening for the future.
1: Yeah, I I don't know what to really expect. If West Ham don't get a goal in the first half, I I could see us losing that match, to be honest, Mm -hmm. just how we mentally are. So they need to start quick. Um, All right, let's finish off, as we always do, with some Hammers Polls questions. Um, So this one's a good question. Uh, It talks about what we recently have been with Pellegrini as as well as January transfers. Would you rather pay Pellegrini off or use the quote-unquote 20 mil uh, to strengthen the squad in January? What are you picking?
0: Yes, I just voted for that right before we actually got on this podcast. But I'm, I'm picking the, uh, use the, like uh, you said, quote-unquote additional 20 mil and uh, strengthening whatever we need to strengthen. Um, I'm going to try to stay positive behind it. Like I said, if we keep winning and getting results under Pellegrini, then I say we keep him. But honestly, I'm at like one loss and he's out. So, But I'm going to try to stay positive and say that uh, I would use that extra money to bring some additional players in.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous to think that the owners of the club would take away from the team's success to make up for their own mistake in manager appointment, which you know mm-hmm. is a mistake in hindsight as well. But it's a mistake nonetheless. Um, but if that's going to be the way it, it shakes out, then I would much rather the team keep Pellegrini, get better players in, and then basically in the background say, "Hey, we're gonna you know let's let some of your man- your supporting managers take over here." Uh, but yeah, seventy-four percent say strengthen the squad. Twenty-six percent say pay off Pellegrini to leave. Um, there's more questions along the same, uh, you know, the, the same lines there. But this one comes from at Tim Cratchit uh, Hammers Polls posted his question for him. Which of these West Ham goal scorers would you have back in the team uh, if you could wave a magic wand? John Hartson, Tony Cotti, Paulo Canio, or Carlton
0: Cole. Mm boy that's tough i'm gonna let you go first on that one i'm gonna think about this one for a bit
1: i didn't even think about it for half a second i want paul de back in this team i i think he would be the perfect player if you imagine him playing off the shoulder of of Alaire up top running around running the channels but also making space for the big man i think he'd be great and i would love to see uh west ham basically you know wave that magic wand and get their talisman back who do you got there <laughs>
0: I'm going, to, I'm going to go with Cotty. I've obviously never watched him play. I've seen a lot of highlights, but I think, too, kind of along the same side. I think that – I know he played up front a lot by himself, but you put him next to Alaire or Fornals, it's going to be able to lay the ball off to him. Well, he was a little guy, but he'll be able to get in and out and um, get some goals. So I'll go a little bit further back with Tony Cotty.
1: All right, 73% agree, Di Um But you're next in line with 18% with, with Cotty. Hartson had five, and Carlson Cole had four. Um, we continue on here. Um, all right. Uh, Tim Cratch has been asking a ton of questions for you there. Uh, Morning Hammers with Palace being our next game and our squad being stretched thin. Which of the past players that moved to Palace would you take back? This is from at irons underscore poles. Kuyate or Tompkins.
0: Tompkins, hundred percent. I was devastated to watch him leave. And I, then part of that might've been, that was kind of when I was coming up as a West Ham fan was seeing him play and, watching get actually watch him play and i think that uh that kind of he was one of those players to me that i wanted to see him like mark noble stay around the club forever and so having him actually leave that was it was devastating i really wanted him to stay and at least fight for a spot and i get why he left because he wasn't going to be guaranteed first team football i mean uh billich was bringing in a lot of players that were supposedly going to be better than him and honestly i don't know if a lot of them ended up being better than him but yeah i would say out of those two i would, I would take Tompkins.
1: Yeah, me too as well. He can play across the back line, and Cuyate Mm -hmm. really, really, really got under my skin uh, at the end (laughs) of his tenure, so I'm going with Tompkins as well. uh, 62% agree with us on that one. Um, Okay, uh, Irons Polls uh, put up another question that Hammers Polls retweeted here. Uh, Would you rather uh, fill the midfield hole that we have right now with an experienced center mid or a young and promising center mid? Uh, And we have been looking at or linked to this young uh, Norwegian footballer named Sander Berge, B-E-R-G-E um, mm. who uh, he's, where is he playing right now? I don't even know where he's playing, but uh, he, he's 21 years old and apparently he's been linked with Chelsea and Liverpool, but he wants, according to Beech, Bleacher Report, moved to West Ham with the opportunity to actually play in the first team, so uh, would you rather young and promising or uh, tenured and experienced?
0: I'm going to go a little off the cuff on this one and say tenured and experienced. I think we have a, a solid amount of, of youth right now in, in that kind of center midfield role, and, and you can even bunch Fornals into that. But, yeah, if we could bring somebody in with experience and kind of that veteran leadership, because, unfortunately, Noble's not going to be around forever. So if you could bring somebody in that's going to be able to actually play, I mean, not putting a knock on Jack Wilshire, but we ain't seen him that much lately. Uh, bring you know Somebody that can actually come in and play and can kind of step up and fill in as a, as a bridge player between you know i don't know if it's noble and just giving rice a few more years to take up at that leadership role or noble and somebody from the youth that's going to be coming up but yeah i would go veteran and experienced i would go young
1: and exciting because i think we're hitting that point uh you know i'm a big nhl fan and Mm. that point was crossed a few years ago really with Sidney crosby um where you could basically see the changing of the tides in the league where you know the emphasis went to young exciting players yes they make mistakes yes you're going to be scoring a lot more goal having goals scored against you at a higher rate but you're also going to you know see the excitement and and see that player grow into the experienced player and get all the joys along the way with that so i would go young and exciting just for the fact that um you know i've seen that trend in other sports go past that point and i think football is along the way there as well um you know uh
0: I uh, I kind of agree with you a little bit until so you start coming at my boy Sid the kid all wrong, and uh, I'm just kidding. I'm, I love Sid, I'm coming man. at I'm, him, man. I'm,
1: I'm not coming at him. I'm Canadian. I'm saying he he's the reason that it changed from when he came he into is, the league. Yeah. He came from uh, you know going with you know experienced players. You saw players like Mike Modano was still around then getting a lot of credit mm-hmm. and money and cashing it on big end of the end of their you know career contracts. Switch to get the young guys paid because they're they're going to be the ones you build your team around. So I say young, but um, okay. Let's finish on this question here. Uh, This was a recent Hammers Polls question and video. Uh, You can check them out at Hammers Polls on YouTube as well. Um, Is West Ham too good to go down or is relegation a real possibility for this season now? What do you think?
0: We 100% are too good to go down. Um, You look at West Ham as a business or corporation. They're way way too good to go down the the money that's been brought into this the stadium for one thing everything going on outside of the stadium the players that are on this team the academy that we have uh 100 we were way too good to go down And if it happens man what a what a nightmare it's going to turn into so yeah i think we're way too good to go down
1: now I, I don't think any team's too good to go down and you know some teams you would like to see um get the attitude adjustment for it or at least with the threatening of it you saw mm-hmm. it with Chelsea a few seasons ago when Leicester won the league um, there was a real attitude adjustment that happened with Chelsea then um, but I do think the players that consist uh in that make up this team <clears throat> excuse me this West Ham team create a squad that is too talented to be relegated um and and i agree with you in saying basically there's too much on the line for recent investment um say what you will about the team and the owners and everything but there's too much on the line um 60,000 seats cut in half would not look good in Mm. the championship uh and and i just don't see it as happening just call me ignorant but but i just don't see west ham as being that team to go down
0: (laughs) i agree man i got i got one question i want to throw in there Please. i know we're kind of ended on that but and since we are coming up around the holiday season, and Christmas is literally next week, and I don't think that we're going to be back until after that time frame, so I guess if you could get one thing from West Ham, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about gear and kits and things like that, but like if West Ham could do one thing for you um, for Christmas, what would it be?
1: It would be a post coming out saying west ham have signed jared bowen from hull on a five-year contract and i wouldn't care the value and i wouldn't care of anything else he's a player who can play on the right side he can play up top he can play in the attacking midfield role i do not care get him into the club he is going to be your next james madison he will be the next great english west ham player alongside declan rice that's my christmas wish spend it all on him (laughs) get loans for the other issues i don't care make it happen west ham please what about you
0: and we'll bring we'll bring Hugo back and they can they can run oh, the front together. Love it. <laughs> I just want to see him win, baby. I just want to see him win, man. Let's let's get some wins and let's get back up this table. That's all I want to see.
1: I think that's a perfect way to close out the episode. For Jeremiah myself and all of us at Green Street Hammers. Thank you for listening and come on you Irons.
0: Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. time you buy gas use promo code car for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank you can cash out anytime right to your bank account paypal or a gift card for amazon and other brands just download the free upside app and use promo code car for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank that's code car everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich